I hope that you spent some of this past week praising God and thanking Him. You know, God's Word says we're to thank Him in all things. Not for, but in all things. And I know there's a lot of things going on, and a lot of things even went on this week, in our, this past week in our nation. But I pray that you have praised Him, because let me tell you something, when you praise God, you're recognizing who the Creator is and who the created is. And you're also bringing God's grace to you every time you praise Him and thank Him. For his goodness. So friend, we have a lot to praise him for. Much to praise him for. We're continuing our series on the family. We've been talking about the family as picking a mate and as husbands and wives and as a family together. But I want us to specifically focus this morning on children. On our children that God has given us. Many couples go through the season of being parents and raising these parents in their home. Many of you have done that and you now have these children grown or maybe in your home right now. But it's only for a season. Seasons are short. And after a while, you realize your child has grown so fast. I remember putting my oldest son in the car seat. And the next thing I remember was he was asking for the car keys. Just that fast, it seemed like. They grow so fast. And I believe that every parent wants to be the kind of parent God wants us to be. We want to have strong families But I want to tell you something, friend. The fact is that we live in such a fast-paced world. We live in a place of constant pressure from society, from our jobs to keep performing more and achieving more success. And after a while, we get caught up in all of this. And we ask ourselves, is it possible to raise faithful kids where we are in the world today. Friend, I want to tell you something. It is, but it takes a lot of work. And there are seven things that I want us to look at this morning. Seven things that God says we as parents are to do. And these seven things are the same seven things that God does to you if you're His child. And so I want you to see those I want you to know that I didn't get this material that I'm giving you out of the latest fad on raising children. But it does come out of a textbook, the greatest textbook ever written, and it's the Bible. God's given that to us. I pray that you'll turn your Bible to Psalms 127, and I want to look at one verse, one you already know, verse 3, Psalms 127. And I want to ask you to stand... Follow along as I read aloud this copy of God's Word. 127 verse 3. Behold, children are a heritage. They're a heritage 
That's a gift. They are a heritage, the Bible says, from the Lord. The fruit of the womb is a reward. A reward. It's a prize to you, a gift to you that God gives us. But there's strings that come attached to getting them where God desires them to be. Would you pray with me? Father, I thank you for your word. And Father, I want to ask this morning for families particularly and especially at Grapevine Baptist Church, I pray that you would provide to parents and to children the emotional, physical, and spiritual protection that that family and that child and those children need. And Father, I pray that you would build hedges around our children, around our families, that you would guide us and you would help us to guide our children as we recognize the way, the deception that Satan brings against us all the time. Help us as parents that we might be alert to the enemies, to every place that he's working. And Father, may we resist and may we model this before our children, the enslaving power of Satan. Oh, Father, I pray. Pray for us today. In Christ's name, amen. Thank you. You may be seated. I want to share some things with you that kids need most. We live in a nation where we can give them a lot of things, but sometimes we don't give them what they really need. And so these seven things, as I said a moment ago, are the seven things that God does for His children that He gives us. So I want you to see that. First of all, on your outline, and I hope you write this down, you may not have children, but I can tell you, you know children around you. Number one, kids need compassion. They need compassion more than anything else. I'm telling you, they need unbelievable portions of love especially in our nation. Unconditional love. That's what they need. They need a place and a people where they are that accept them, warts and all, just like they are. And they know they are accepted. What is compassion anyway? It's a a combination of love and understanding. When I have compassion toward you and you have compassion toward me, what we're really saying is, I know everything about you and I still love you. I still love you just as you are. That's what our kids need. 1 John 4, 7 says, Beloved, let us love one another, for love is from God. Whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. Do you know that love is not natural? You weren't born with it. You had to learn about it. You have to learn to love, and you learn to love by practicing. And what better place to practice on love than in the family where you're forced to live in that small confine with all those people? 
What a place to learn to love. And I believe if you can learn to love your family in your family, you can love anybody else. And I'll tell you why. You're never going to be any more confined with people than you are with your own family. And God says we're to love. It's easy to love people at a distance, isn't it? I can love the whole world at a distance. But brother, when you're with them all the time and you begin to know all about them, it's another story, isn't it? They're not near what we thought they were. We don't always get along with them. We don't always agree with everything. But when we practice love in a family, we're learning to really love. How do you express love? Let me give these to you quickly. A lot of times we love our kids, daddies, but we love them at a distance. How do you really love them where they can get a hold of it and they can understand it? There's three ways. You love them with affection. You love them with attention. And you love them with affirmation. It's hard for us to do that. And I can speak to dads better than I can to mothers concerning this. With affection. Kids need a lot of hugs. You need to grab your kids. You need to tickle them. You need to kiss them. You need to bring them up to you. And you need to hug them no matter how big they are or how old you are. They need that love. And they need to know that we're expressing that love this way. We feel compassion and love for them. That affection. They need it. They need to feel it, to feel it from us. Then they need attention. We talked a little bit about that in this series earlier. But one of the greatest gifts you can give your children is to look them straight in the eye when they're talking and you hang on to every word they say. And you listen to it carefully so that you really are hearing their heart as much as you are hearing their voice. You're telling them, you matter to me. You're valuable to me. I want to hear what you have to say. That's compassion. That's the same kind of compassion Christ exhibits toward us, his children. And then there's affirmation. That is, this is just where you and I come in or where we go out. The problem is we don't do a lot of that. That's telling your children verbally over and over and over again that you love them. Many parents feel that love and you say, yeah, I love my kids. But we as men have trouble telling them that, telling them often that. We need to encourage them every chance we get. We need to give praise to them and we need to just affirm them in love because there's a whole world out there that's not affirming them. Let me tell you about a myth. This statement is a myth. All you need is love. That's not true, folks. That's not true. I can take you to a plethora of people who loved their children, but it didn't turn out the way they wanted it to be. There's more to it than just love. Let's talk about some of the others. Number two, kids need counsel. Kids need counsel. In other words, they need direction, and they need advice, and they need wisdom. There's a lot of studies 
that back up the fact that the number one indicator of successful children. Now, successful children are those who grow up to be successful adults. So the number one indicator of successful children is a stable biblical value system. They need that. That's our job. That's counsel. They need to grow up knowing what is right and what is wrong, what we don't do and what we are to do. And the kids who don't have that stable, those boundaries, that stable value system, tend to flame out quickly in adulthood. Now let me tell you something, friend. This is caught as much as it's taught, but it's also taught in God's Word. Study after study confirms that. But I want to tell you, God's Word confirms it. And that's what counts the most. Kids need to know boundaries. And they don't have that today. Have you ever heard anyone say that it really doesn't matter what you believe? I've heard that. I've heard that a lot of times as a pastor. That gets to be pretty commonplace after a while. And when I hear that, I want to say, who brainwashed you? Friend, it does matter what you believe. Some belief system says love your neighbors. Some belief system says kill them. Is there a difference? You better believe there is. And we're to teach them the right system. Give them the right background that they're to have to let them know that we care about them and we love them that way. Listen to the results of having raised now three generations. Three generations of kids without a stable biblical value system. Today, 41% of all babies born in this nation will be born to unwed mothers and daddies. 41%. 750,000 infants will be born in this year that we're finishing to teenage girls who become pregnant as teenage. They're unwed. Let me tell you something else. In our nation, by the age of 15, listen carefully, 20% of our teen boys and girls are not virgins. They've already lost their virginity. By the age of 19, 44% of unmarried 19-year-olds have lost their virginity. Do you know that 9% of those that we would call children are in prison. 9% of all those put in prison as children, 9% of them are put in prisons because of murder. In the last 10 years, since 2008 and this year when it finishes, it has been exponential, the increase in children in crime. It has grown in the last eight years 150% of children having to be incarcerated because of juvenile crime. ABC, one of those stations on your television, 2020, after reviewing statistics, said this. They came to this conclusion. Listen, 
the rising rapid rate of sociopathic juvenile behavior is due primarily to declining moral values. The moral vacuum these children grow up in has resulted in a loss of concern for others. They are motivated by a desire to please themselves through instant gratification regardless of who gets hurt. That's not a Baptist preacher. That's 2020. Kids need counsel. Deuteronomy 6 verse 7. You've heard it. I want you to hear it again. Listen carefully. You shall teach them diligently to your children. You shall talk of them when you sit in your house and when you walk by the way and when you lie down and when you rise up. Did you notice the four things that we're supposed to do as parents? I want you to notice that. First of all, he he says, you shall. It's an imperative. You shall teach. And what he's talking about is the commandments. You shall teach them. You. Who's God talking to? Well, let me tell you who he's not talking to. He's not talking to the government of this nation. He's not talking to the public schools or private schools in this nation. He's not talking about social clubs doing this. He's not talking about anybody but us as parents. That's our job. And let me say something to you. Primarily, if you go back and you read the context of that passage of Scripture, it begins with men. I don't hear amens. Because we know we have failed. We've delegated it to our wife. Let me ask you, do you realize we're supposed to do that? Two God tells us are. Fathers are to lead the way in teaching. Then notice he says, you shall or you must, whichever translation you have. It's not optional. It's imperative. If I'm going to do this, and if I'm going to be a good parent, I have to do this. It's what God tells me. I'm slacking on my job if I'm not teaching these moral guidelines to my child. You need to realize that. I need to realize that. And I teach them the words that I commanded to you today. That's where we're supposed to teach. Listen, where we're supposed to teach. We're supposed to teach every place. We're supposed to teach when they go to bed at night. We're supposed to teach when they get up. We're supposed to teach all those other times. And we're to teach the Ten Commandments. Those are not suggestions, they're commands. Let me ask you, parents, how many of you can even say the Ten Commandments? How many of us are keeping them, living them in our life? We talked about why this was so difficult last week. And we talked about a thousand hours of screen time a year per person in our home. We don't have time. We don't have time. Cornell University, just about less than three years ago, Cornell University asked a thousand dads to wear an inconspicuous wire for about three months. And they said they would do it. They didn't tell them why they wanted them to wear it. But one of the pieces of data that they got out of this is that the average daddy has a two to four minute conversation a day with his children. Well, I want to tell you something. Something's not bad about that. You can't 
raise a child in two to four minutes a day. You cannot put the Word of God in their heart in that length of time. We're not doing that. We can't do that. We're not teaching them to keep the, the Ten Commandments. Some time ago, I heard about some teachers in a teacher's conference who was complaining about the high rate of theft in their school. And sometime in the middle of this conversation, somebody spoke up and said, we ought to put up a sign that says, thou shalt not steal. My goodness, we do not teach it to them. We don't do that at all. You cannot raise quality children in a short time. You cannot put your goals totally before yourself, before you, and leave your children out. If you've been called to be a parent and you were called the moment you conceived, then I want to tell you, you have that obligation. Don't you blow it. As a daddy who blew a lot of it, and as a daddy who has grown children now, I can tell you, don't pass this time up. You will never get it again. You'll be losing one of the major, major responsibilities that God gave you. And it makes an impact in a world. It does. There'll be no other seasons but this one. And then it'll be gone. Goodness, kids need counsel. Let me give you another thing. Third, kids need correction. They make mistakes, so did you. They're not perfect, neither were we. They need discipline, they need accountability, and they need training. Hebrews 12, 6. For the Lord disciplines the one he loves. That's personal. He disciplines the one he loves and chastises every son whom he receives. That's painful. But that's what God does. He sets the example for us. If you love somebody, you'll love them enough to correct them. Parents, if you do not correct your child, the Bible says... You don't love them. I didn't say that. The Bible said you don't love them. It's what God tells us. You're doing them a grave injustice if you do not teach them. Proverbs 13, 24, whoever spares the rod hates his son. The next part of that says, and he who loves is diligent to discipline him. Diligent to do it. That means you're going to have a few years in front of you when they hand you that little pink body in the hospital. You're going to have a lot of years you've got to put into them. That's what you've got to do. And if you love them, you diligently discipline them. Proverbs 19, 18 says, Discipline your son, and some translations say, while there is hope. After a while, you reach that place of no hope. Boy, that's so important. We need to do that. Very important. If I don't correct my kids, I'm helping them to fail. I don't care about them. I'm setting them up for failure. I don't want to put that time in them. If I don't correct them, the Bible tells me that I'm to do that. There's three ways we're to do it. There on your outline, you ought to do it quickly. Listen, don't keep putting it off. You do it quickly. While you remember and they remember, you do it calmly. Listen, daddies. 
and you do it sparingly. Now, we need to understand the difference between punishment and discipline. Listen carefully for what I'm going to say. If we're to treat our children the way God treats His children, then we need to know this. And if you've received Christ as your Savior, if you've been born again, if you're a believer and you're following Him, this is exactly how He treats you. And this is exactly how He wants us to do that. Now listen what I'm about to say. Don't walk out of here and think I'm a heretic. If you've asked Christ into your heart, and you know that, I want you to know that God does not punish you. Let that just sink in for a while. You're a child of God. No matter what you do, God doesn't punish you. Why is that, Kent? It's because the punishment of your sins was paid for on Calvary once and for all. Once and for all. God doesn't punish you because Jesus Christ took the punishment. But listen, God disciplines you. What's the difference, Kent? There's a big difference between punishment and discipline. A lot of it. The purpose of punishment is to inflict a penalty. That was already taken care of on Calvary. But the purpose of discipline, which is what God does to us, and God wants us to do that to our children, is to promote growth. You're looking at the future so that this doesn't happen again, so that they become what God intended them to be. The focus is towards the future. Do you understand that? The attitude behind discipline is really love. Now, Daddy, listen to me here. I'm going to help my son or my daughter in the way they need to go. God doesn't want you to punish your kids. He wants you to discipline them. When you correct in anger, you do nothing but produce a resentful child. And I just want to tell you, I'm going to be honest. There have been times when I did punish my sons. And I felt good about doing it. That's how I knew that it wasn't discipline. That it wasn't discipline. Ephesians 4 verse 25 says, Let no corrupting talk come out of your mouth, but only such is good for building up as fits the occasion that it may give grace to those who hear. If you're feeling good about punishing your child, if it's relieving some of your beaten emotions, then you're doing it wrong. Learn to correct without condemning. We need to learn to dis- discipline without destroying. We need to learn to correct without condemning. And maybe you refuse to correct because you just say, they're going to be all right when they grow up. Friend, that's not true. Maybe you're afraid of your children. I'll just make them angry and I've got to live with them in this house for a while. Oh, my goodness. Oh, my goodness. Let me give you a fourth thing children need. They need confidence. Well, life is tough and getting tougher all the time. They need confidence. How many adults here would be so bold as to say, I'd like to go back through my childhood again? Boy, I wouldn't. 
I messed it up once. I don't want to make it worse. I don't want to make it any worse. But I want to tell you, there's pressure and stress and doubt and negative things going on in the world where your children live. Let me tell you something. It's tough on a kid's self-esteem. They need to have some self-esteem. In testing, do you know what they found out? 85% of all third graders have high levels of self-esteem. When they tested them in junior high, it dropped to 65%. And as seniors in high school, their self-esteem as a senior dropped to 5%. Why? It's tough where we are. Tough where we are. The society we live in continually bangs at us, tearing down everything we believe and we are taught. We live in a negative world that it's hard to find anything positive anymore. We talk about moral standards in the world that knows nothing about them and laughs at them. We've been taught, our children have been taught, that is, that we evolved through random selection. So we really don't matter to a whole lot if it was just random selection. We've been taught that. We've been taught it's the fruit of the womb is worthless. Children are worthless. We've been taught that. No wonder they don't feel good about anything. They don't know that they have the image of God imprinted on them, and you and I as parents are to teach that. Parents will give an account for what we did do or didn't do. We need to remember that. There's a lot at stake at our national level and in our family when we are not doing what we're to do with our children. We need to know that. We need to talk to them about family values. We need to talk to them about truth. We need to talk to them about God's Word. Fathers, do not provoke your children lest they become discouraged. Don't provoke them. You just keep teaching them and loving them. Don't you be a parent who's unpleasable and has insecure children. How do you raise confidence in a child? 1 Corinthians 13, 7 says, Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, and endures all things. You build them up more than you tear them down. Daddy, listen. Your child, I don't care if they're a senior in high school, They need more strokes than they need pokes. Let me tell you this. Many parents believe if they just balance out the negative with the positive as they deal with their children, then their children will be all right. Friend, that's not true. That's not true at all. That's not enough. Listen, parents, we need about ten praises to one thing that we have to negatively point out to our children. Do you hear that? Ten to just one. If you're in this church this morning and you talk to a lot of people as you leave today and ten people praise you, but one person speaks negative about you, what are you going to remember when you walk out the door and you think about all this afternoon? That's the reason your child needs to have about nine or ten praises to every time that you have to talk something negative to them about. You need to do that. They need somebody who will be their cheerleader, even in the difficult times. Let me give you number five. We've touched that a little bit. Children need celebration. 
That's fun. They need fun, and they need to have fun. So let me just tell you something, parent, that you need to know. And that is, I found this out a long time ago, that there ought to be at least one day every once in a while that your children can remember and enjoy, especially above all the rest of them. No single day of routine work and life will make up for a break in life that is built around a time of joy and fun and just plain old belly laughing about the things that go on. We need to do that. You need to be goofy. Let me tell you, your children are not impressed by your job, by your salary, or about anything else, but they're impressed when there's fun in their house. And if they don't find that fun in their house, they may just get out as soon as they can. They may just get out as soon as they can. Kids need number six challenges. They need experiences that will challenge them. Our trouble is most of us want to do everything for our kids rather than giving them some experiences. When you give them these things, that begins to build them up. We need to do that. They need these. You need to help them find their talents. You may not be familiar with this term, but you need to help them find their shape, S-H-A-P-E. That stands for spiritual gifts, for heart, for abilities, for personality, and for experience. God has already put a code inside your children. And when they come to know Him as their Lord and Savior, it's our job to help them understand what that code is fitting them for in eternity as God has shaped them already. One of the most important life skills that you can give them is to learn to be responsible. And Daddy, if you keep being responsible for them, they're never going to learn responsibility. When you take responsibility for them, you're taking responsibility from them. They're not going to learn any other way. They need to have that. Are they going to make mistakes? Yes, just like you did. Are they going to fail? Yes, like you did. They're going to do it. You did it, and so did they. But you're helping them to grow up to be responsible if you give them responsibility. How many parents have told me if I had it to do over, I would teach my child to do more for himself than I did because I did so much for him myself. Luke 16, verse 10 and 12. One who is faithful in a very little is also faithful in much. And one who is dishonest in a very little will also be dishonest in much. And if you have not been faithful in that which is another's, you will give, who will give you that which is your own? Kids need responsibility. The last thing, kids need consistency from their parents. They need to see you when you're not fickled. And you don't need to be fickled. They need to know that you're not always changing your mind. They need to know that. You're not a Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde constantly changing back and forth. And you and I are to model what our Heavenly Father models. Psalms 145 verse 13 says, The Lord is faithful in all His words. We're to be faithful in all of our words. That's what consistency is all about. As parents, we're to be faithful to our promises, fair in our decisions. We're to be consistent. 
One of the things that you may remember right now from your childhood that still leaves a bitter mark on your life is that promise that your daddy, your mother made and broke. Some of you can still remember it. Don't you do that. I close. Let me give you some life application. You may feel like me when I put all this together. I feel frustrated. I want to tell you, I just plain plain messed it up. I didn't come to drop a load on your back. That's not my decision, my desire at all. I don't want you to feel guilty. My goal is to place you in a place where you can begin to give some instruction to your children. The truth is there's no perfect parents. Your parents were not perfect. You're not going to be perfect. And your children are not going to be perfect. God somehow loves to use imperfect people, I have found out. And he does that. Don't let it be your desire to have a perfect family because you'll fail. Let it be your desire to have a healthy family. How do you have a healthy family? Proverbs 24, 3. By wisdom, skillful, godly wisdom, a house or a family is built, and by understanding it is established. It has a sound foundation under it. By wisdom and insight, understanding. That's how you build that. And it takes wisdom, it takes understanding, and it takes the kind that comes from God's Word. That's what we need. We cannot give this to our children with anything else that we have on our own. We need a healthy family. When you start being a parent, you're a novice. Sometimes we're novice when we get to the end of it. But the good news is, this is where you can get the wisdom. This is where you can get the insight from God's Word. It's worked for generations. It will work in Madisonville, in Hopkins County. It'll work in Grapevine Baptist Church. I'll tell you it will. Let me tell you, you'll build a life if you take God's Word that your family will have for generations And they will have all that God wants them to have. When you established or you establish wisdom with the divine author of this book, the Bible, then you're going to know what to teach them. You'll have a healthy family. Let me say, daddies, I want to tell you, as being the one who's primarily supposed to teach this, I have to walk along beside you and tell you that I failed in so many places. But I want to tell you, God wants us to be the kind of father he is, as we do from a human perspective. I want to tell you, Daddy, and Mother, God loves you. I can tell you that, and I can tell you that in all honesty. I know that grievously even this week, that God loves me. I want you to know that he gave his life for you. He gave his life for you so that you would know what real life is all about. You don't have to keep living and failing in so many places. 
you can have wisdom and understanding. But he gives you life and he gives you purpose. And he gives you peace. And he gives you a place in eternity with the Heavenly Father when you begin to realize how much he loves you and how he treats you and how he wants to treat you. Men, let me tell you, you cannot put godly principles in your son or your daughter if you've never received him as your Lord and Savior. You can't do that. It's impossible. I know you've left it to the little lady. God didn't do that. I want to tell you something, daddies, especially if you've got sons, you're putting more of a mark on your child than their mother is. You need to understand that. It's the way God made this. Don't you fail at this. You don't have to fail anymore. I'm saying this morning you can change. Child of God, we can start doing what we're supposed to do. Would you allow God to do that in your life this morning? If you've never received him as your Lord and Savior, would you do that today? What you sense and what you understand and feel on the inside of you is Christ speaking to you, his Holy Spirit coming after you. Are you going to say no again? Would you say yes? Whatever God's dealing with you about, would you do that? Yes, Lord. I am a sinner. I acknowledge that. I admit that. I don't want to live this way. I don't want to live this way anymore. God, forgive me. And he will forgive you. As you turn from that and you receive him as the Lord of your life. And the first step in receiving him as Lord of your life is to tell people that you've done it. You're not ashamed of it. You're willing to say yes to all that he asks you to do. You may be here and you need to follow in baptism. You need to be a member of this church. I'm going to ask